Hey, everyone, and welcome to another discussion on The Rational National. I'm joined now by John Horler, investigative journalist and author of the piece titled Investigation, Canadian News Media Dominated by Corporate Lobbyists. And you can read that in both Ricochet and Jacobin, and the links to that are below the video. John, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So viewers of the show know that I criticize the media quite a bit, but most of my criticisms have been directed at American media, partly because it's so blatant and ongoing, while Canadian media, I think, is a little more underhanded in its manufacturing of consent. But your piece, as you write, you do an intensive six-week study of key political shows across multiple networks. So first, can you give us sort of a the big picture of your research and what you found, and then we'll dig deeper into more specific examples. Yeah, so we looked at over 860 appearances and cataloged various data points about the appearances uh, across the three major Canadian national networks. Um, so we looked at uh, CBC and their three daily uh, programs, including their flagship uh, news program, The National, and their Sunday show, uh, their Sunday political show. CTV, um, their weekly programs and their nightly programs as well. And then Global, which has a slightly less amount of uh, political news and analysis. They only have a one 30-minute national news show and a one 30-minute Sunday show. So Global was a little bit less of the focus, but uh, all three networks had lobbyists on their programming, and we took a look at the prevalence of that and what the disclosure was around that, and it was quite startling. Um, so specifically when it comes to certain topics, um, one in every five analysts brought on the air to talk about climate change was a lobbyist or PR professional. Uh, same thing with the federal budget, which was uh, released uh, in Canada uh, during the time of our study. So one in every five guests coming on to analyze that um, was a lobbyist. And then Starling, one in every three guests discussing Canadian politics. And this was lead up to the election, which occurred a few months later. One in every three of those guests were a lobbyist or PR professional. And sometimes there was no even mention of their affiliation. Um, they were just introduced as a strategist or in one case, a former premier, um, and no mention of their affiliation to a lobbying firm. And other times when they did note the affiliation, it didn't really enlighten viewers because uh, there was no mention of their direct lobbying or business interest on the topic. So um, I think many of the American viewers, like you said, will be very familiar with this. Uh, if you watch even five minutes of MSNBC or CNN, um, especially when they're talking about controversial topics like uh, healthcare, um, and Medicare for all, they can't avoid putting on uh, lobbyists from the health industry to talk about it. Uh, but it's, it's actually quite prevalent in Canada as well. And I think this is something that a lot of viewers um, of television news would be, um, you know, aware of, but maybe not quite sure just how common it is. So we tried to, to document that. Yeah. And, and later we'll get to the, the excuses that they use for why they do this. And you know, this is as it's part of the problem is they don't really see a problem with it. I mean, that's that's ultimately a, a big issue with how they do this. They don't even think it's an issue, but we'll get to more on that later. First, let's get to more specific. So uh, CBC, what kind of examples do you have with CBC and the kind of people that they put on that were, in fact, uh, you know, essentially there with a vested interest in a particular sort of perspective? Yeah, so, I mean, despite being a publicly funded national broadcaster, CBC actually had more lobbyists and PR folks than the other networks. And it was actually roughly the same as the number of medical professionals they had on in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, which was basically at its peak in Canada at the time of the study in spring and early summer. So CBC was actually one of the worst. Um, they had such a large number and they didn't really have any better disclosure practices than the other networks. 
Um, so one example that we highlighted was uh, a lobbyist or a uh, representative from the Canadian Centre for the Purpose of the Corporation. And if you haven't heard of them, I don't blame you, because they're actually, uh, unbeknownst to viewers, a total subsection of the Navigator lobbying and crisis communications firm. But in five of the six appearances that we tracked over the six-week period, that Navigator link went unmentioned. So they introduced Brian Glant, who is a former Premier of uh, New Brunswick, a province in the uh, East Coast of Canada, and uh, they introduced him as a former premier or as a representative of the Canadian Centre for the Purpose of the Corporation, uh, but never really explained what they do or Navigator's lobbying or business interests. And uh, so that was one example that stood out. Another one was um, a senior, former senior official in the Alberta Conservative Party, Erica Barudis, uh, and she works for Enterprise, which is another major national lobbying firm. And she was brought on air to talk about COVID-19 on the CBC. And they never mentioned that, that uh, she directly is registered to lobby at the time for uh, Estella's Pharma Canada and Shoppers Drug Mart, a major uh, drugstore in Canada. And uh, also that she was a lobbyist for Purolator, which is Canada Post's kind of uh, FedEx version. Um, distributor and shipper, and they actually were lobbying, including uh, Ms. Baruti's lobbying directly related to COVID-19 vaccine distribution logistics contracts, and that was obviously a frequent topic in the news at the time as the government was scrambling to roll out the distribution of the vaccine. So mm -hmm. she, she was directly commenting on issues that she had a business and lobbying interest, and no disclosure was made on the CDC. And this is something that's been widespread. We actually um, started this project because of the positive feedback we got for an article um, that we put out in March of 2021, looking at another um, series of instances with the CBC doing this. And so it was good to, to have Jacobin and Ricochet collaborate on this follow-up. But um, CBC, when, when you ask them about it, they state that, um, you know, this is something that they bring on these folks for, not for objectivity, but for their expertise and for their own kind of partisan political views, but they don't really make that clear to the viewers when you're listening to them. And CBC's own internal ombudsman has said that um, even if they do disclose the name of the firm, but they don't disclose the business interest, this is, quote, rather pointless. And, you know, it doesn't really provide much insight to those outside of the Ottawa bubble. Um, so I, I think this is something that CBC's aware of, but it, they just don't seem to get a, a handle on it. It also goes to show how absurd the attacks on CBC about being too far left are. I mean, it come too far left. They they are clearly uh, placing people on air with a court with a, a vested interest in, in in corporate interest and not disclosing that. And that is the a large majority of what they do. And they often don't have a true left wing perspective on there, a true democratic socialist, a true socialist perspective on CBC. But again, this goes back to how they view their uh, how they view society in general and yeah of course like to them neoliberalism is is fine that's the status quo that's normal to have corporations involved in every discussion that's perfectly fine but to then be attacked for being too far left while doing that is completely absurd but now let's get to um ctv so ctv and and global as you mentioned as well give me some examples from from those networks yeah and before i do just to just to touch on that i think you make a great point because um, you know, certainly uh, last summer there was a, a big uh, news story in Canada around some journalists, uh, full disclosure, including myself, signing on a letter uh, about how the media needs to provide a more diverse set of views on the um, Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Mm -hmm. That's right. And CBC and other networks were quite clear on uh, clamping down that and even, uh, you know, stating that they would have to remove journalists who openly signed the letter or made opinions on that uh, because it would 
get rid of their impartiality. Meanwhile, they'll have people on who clearly are partial to the topic, who have business interests in the topic, and they don't see that as a, as a conflict. While also interviewing subjects, um, which is what our March piece looked at, they had a lobbyist for the um, uh, Alberta government on to talk about pipelines without mentioning that they're paid to lobby for pipelines for the Alberta government. So they have all these kind of conflicts, but the minute there's any even semi-left tinged uh, view, then they, they clamp down quite hard on that. Meanwhile, the right says that they're, you know, some kind of communist uh, Pravda, and it's nothing could be further from the <laughs> truth. So, but you know, yeah. CTV is, is like you said, it's a, they had an, another um, series of, of examples, but maybe what I would highlight is uh, around think tanks, because I think this is also an entryway to talk about mm -hmm. how think tanks are, are, are possibly problematic as well. So one of the examples we talk about in the Jacobin and Ricochet piece is uh, the Canada West Foundation. So they had on uh, Gary Marr, who's the, the head of the Canada West Foundation, and he was talking about uh, Enbridge, the um, pipeline distributor firm, and their um, battles to basically get their pipelines um, to remain open in the United States, which is quite controversial right now. People in Minnesota will be familiar with this, and uh, people in Michigan will be familiar with the Line 5 pipeline, uh, which Mr. Marr was brought on to talk about. And he made positive comments and said that they should keep the pipeline open in contravention of what the, uh, the governor and various environmental groups are trying to do in Michigan, which is shut it down. Um, but there was no mention of the fact that, that Canada West Foundation receives funding directly from Enbridge. And that Mr. Marr himself is the former CEO of the Petroleum Services Association of Canada. <laughs> and aside from Enbridge, the, his organization receives money from Synovus Energy, which has its own pipeline battles, Suncor, Husky Energy, Royal Dutch Shell, Imperial Oil, and, and others. So you'd think that would be something that you'd want to disclose when you bring someone on to talk positively about the very companies that are funding his uh, organization. So yeah. think tanks are also another major issue in CTV uh, had examples of that as well. Yeah, and, and you know the, the other side of that discussion, you know, it's this is what amazes me about this entire thing because you can, they should be able to disclose that hey, this has this person has has these vested interests in 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 these corporations and having this this pipeline exist and. I'm perfectly fine with them also disclosing the other side. If they want to have an environmentalist on that, their vested interest is the environment, is society, is people. Like, <laughs> that is how you have, if you want to be truly, have, have a real discussion about this and be truly transparent, that is how you have a transparent discussion. And if it seems weighted to one side because one person clearly has a, a more financial interest involved in, in, in the discussion, then fine, that's how it is, but that's the reality. You have one side with financial interests, the other side that cares about humanity. That's the discussion that we should be having if we're going to have that discussion at all. I mean, the reality is we should be having a discussion about the science, about, you know, what actually matters. But if they're going to have that discussion, fine, but be transparent about it. And they are never transparent about it. But this also gets us to um, the NDP, which <laughs> I mean, may surprise some people. But a former NDP member also worked as a healthcare lobbyist. Is, is that right? Yeah, so the, the NDP uh, also is a good entryway in talking about what you just said about the quote-unquote both sides, right? And again, for American viewers, we've seen that on where they'll have a Democratic strategist and a Republican strategist, and their views will be almost identical when it comes to, uh, you know, especially foreign policy, which is my particular um, area of interest. Um, so they're, they're, they'll have the perception of um, diverse views, but really they're all... Um, many flavors of the same meal. So 
Uh, the NDP is a good example of that. So they had um, Brad Levine was on CBC and other networks, uh, but mainly CBC. Um, and he's from Council Public Affairs, and he was on to talk about COVID and long-term care. There was a serious issue of, uh, of outbreak and, and death in long-term care homes in Canada. And he actually lobbies on COVID issues for multiple organizations, as well as for healthcare companies in various provinces. Um, and he's a lobbyist for the Insurance Council of BC, um, for the BC Real Estate Association, I believe, and the Canadian Home Builders Association of BC. Um, related to COVID issues like sick days and how that's going to in impact their business. Um, and obviously, uh, his, he's a senior executive at Council, where they actually have a lobbying contract for GlaxoSmithKline. Um, and so these are obviously possible interests that should be disclosed when you're talking about COVID on the air. Um, but aside from the disclosure issue, what's maybe more problematic is this very point that many of these uh, news organizations bring on people who represent the Conservative Party and they'll be a lobbyist, who represent the Liberal Party and they'll be a lobbyist, and then who represent the NDP and they'll be a lobbyist. So, um, you know, it's one thing when it's the Conservative oil lobbyist, say, and you're bringing on the Conservative opinion. I'd probably guess that many times the, the business uh, interest and the personal opinion are probably aligned mm -hmm. and the opinion of majority of people in the party are probably aligned. But when it comes to the NDP, if you're... Um, opinion that you're bringing on air to represent the quote-unquote left, and of course there's a long <laughs> spirited debate we can have about how left the NDP really is, yeah. but if, if that's your um, you know, ostensible left opinion that you bring on, and they happen to be a corporate lobbyist as well, then are you really representing the um, spectrum, the wide spectrum of views that exist in Canada? Um, you know, and I think another example of this, not directly related to lobbying, but um, Levine was brought on to talk about the NDP convention at one point, and there was a resolution regarding wealth taxes and billionaires that got a lot of play in the media, and they had a panel on CBC made up, uh, three of the four people were lobbyists or government relations folks like Levine, and they all had a laugh about it, and the undertone was basically that it was crazy and not to worry, and you know, the, the, the rabble are getting crazy, but the NDP will never let this happen. They kind of laughed about it. And, you know, the fact that these people are corporate lobbyists may have informed that point of view. And, you know, it's the yeah. same people who have been around the party for 20 plus years who stick around under every leader and who control the strings of the party. And the fact that they have business and corporate interests and they work as lobbyists, I think maybe some NDP members might not feel that uh, represents the actual um, grassroots of the party. Yeah, and it's it's more of a criticism of these of these individuals that do this that are from the NDP and also of the media that just takes this person and says, oh, you know, this is the NDP perspective when really this is the the corporate another corporate perspective, and they don't you know are they aren't able to distinguish the difference between a somebody who is a corporate lobbyist and somebody who actually represents the interests of society of scientists of people of healthcare experts i mean there is a distinction there that they refuse to make and this gets to i guess you know their excuses you touched on a bit of this earlier but what are their excuses that that they use when uh, these networks when they put these people out there like wh why do they not see a problem with this or if they do see a problem with this like what what do they say when you bring this information to them yeah, so CTV didn't respond to our comment requests, um, but CBC, at least to their credit, were forthcoming both for this article and for the previous one I did in March. 
Um, and they and they come back to that point about um, the fact that they're not brought on for objectivity, but for their expertise, right? Because again, many of these folks operate inside the Ottawa bubble. They they're on Parliament Hill lobbying or in the various provincial capitals lobbying. And the point is that supposedly they're supposed to get an insider's perspective, which I guess you could argue for certain limited topics has some value. Um, but they're brought on to discuss a wide range of things. They're not just talking about, okay, how is the party going to run this election strategy? They're brought on to talk about how is, co how is you know, Canada's COVID response been? What mm -hmm. do you think is going to happen here? What do you think of, of this issue around taxes, around infrastructure, around pipelines? So they're actually talking about a wider range of views uh, of the topics than what they're, they're being characterized as when you talk to CBC. They'll also say that they, they do disclose and that, hey, it's on our website. As if everybody who turns on the television pauses and goes to read the biographies buried on, on the, the company's or the network's website. Yeah. Um, and then other networks, including CBC, if you talk to Chase producers or, or staff behind the scenes, they'll also mention that sometimes it's related to ease of finding people, right? There's a certain familiarity of you book someone once and then you go to them quickly again without having to search. Although I think you can make an argument that it's not that difficult to find people in civil society and other sectors that can complement the business interests that you put on TV. Um, and then uh, lastly, there's the argument that's not stated explicitly from the news organizations when you speak with them, but um, from people around them and just within the media sector is that these people appear for free. They can afford to, um, you know, take an hour or two in the middle of the day when many of the rest of us are, are working and uh, appear for free on television to talk about issues. Um, and so and, and those issues obviously align with what they're paid to work on. In, in one case that we looked at in the March article for Ricochet, um, there was a think tank that was funded. It's called the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. They're funded by a lot of weapons manufacturers, aside from the Canadian Defense Department and NATO itself. And they were brought on to talk about defense issues, including a procurement. And uh, they you know, praised uh, Lockheed Martin. And then they put in their annual report a screenshot of them discussing that with Lockheed visible on the bottom of the uh, cryon and use that as an example of their media reach. So they're, they're not shy in pointing out to their funders that they do reach the media and they can appear for free because essentially in one way or another, those appearances are underwritten by the very corporate funders that they comment on uh, on television about. Yeah. And I'm. Um... That goes to a potential uh, other issue where maybe CBC should be paying these people to, to appear. I mean, if they're going to take an hour at a time, you know, uh, I, sometimes uh, if, if these people are, are doing your job for you and they're on air and they're doing it on a consistent basis, maybe they should get paid. But yeah, that goes to a, a, a massive issue with how the media generates this content. And I do think a lot of it as well, as you mentioned, is just that it's easier for them. They know this person, they've had them on before, and it becomes sort of a more of a, a muscle memory as opposed to anything else because you know I, I used to work at ctv as a video editor and it really is sort of a machine right it's just kind of trudging along there there isn't you know there is very little um introspection in terms of how we are doing the news if we're doing this properly should we maybe change the way we edit or or, or view certain issues it's more of just a machine and, and it operates the way it operates so there is very little introspection and and just analysis in maybe how they should shift their perspective or, or shift the, the, their approach to the way they, they uh, um, uh, do certain topics and, and whatnot. But yeah, anyways, this is a fantastic piece. Uh, there is very little, you know, generally very little um, 
editorial or, or investigative pieces on Canadian media. And it's good to see that, you know, you have one out there. You did a, a great uh, study on this, looking into this. So I hope people check out the article. Links are below the video. And John, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me.